Welcome to Little Birdie Podcast, a unique look at the world of sports betting through the eyes of professional punters. I'm your host, Scoot. I've got the kid, MG, Marky Goodwill. How are you, Nicky? Very, very excited today. We've got Top Rope and we've got a special, couple of special guests. We've got uh, Steve, Ace Previews. He's been sinking his teeth into the French Open. Boy, he mustn't have had much sleep. He'd be uh, burning the candle at both ends. He's pumping out a lot of content at Ace Previews, joins us. And, uh, gee, a regular, starting to become a bit of a regular in office. We sit and watched a game of uh, <laughs> NBA, and that was very entertaining with him yesterday. Corey Homicide-Williams, one of your men, yeah. joins us. Oh, one of our men. You know, <laughs> we've uh, we've brought, him, brought him onto the team together, so... Uh, yeah, he's uh he's a rare individual, we'll put it that way, and uh, yeah, certainly lit up a boring <laughs> Tuesday afternoon yesterday watching some basketball. So, uh, be good to see him later in the show. Yeah, we're going to talk uh, NBL and NBA playoffs, but how's the week in betting? It's unbelievable. The racing's fat. We've got uh, Swan Hill Carnival. We've got yeah. Stradbroke. A couple of Group Ones up there. There's AFL. There's NRL. There's Origin, of course, yeah. and the French Open. It's yeah. oh, I'm getting dizzy. The big, the big boxing match that you uh, sat down and watched uh, Sunday with your uh, with your new uh, social man, yeah, uh, Paul. <laughs> so Logan Paul, I tell you what, Floyd Mayweather, oh, man. what a beauty he is. The two of them are just marketing machines. Yeah, we need to get there. The, our next target, aren't they, to get on board for a little birdie? I just love Money Mayweather. That was uh, what a show they put on. Logan no, no Paul, boxing, no boxing, but great show. <laughs> it was uh, it was pure entertainment. But Logan Paul walks out with a uh, a Pokemon card yeah. uh, around. Around the uh, the necklace, a Charizard. I didn't even know what it was until people were talking about it. And and Mayweather's he's rolled out with a live rap rap band. Oh, so it was crazy. I've I've <laughs> never seen anything like it. Um, the the boxing purists uh, would, <laughs> would be <have> absolutely <laughs> hated that. Yeah. Um, but anyway, that's how they make their dollars. So you can't. Uh, you can't uh, argue with them, I guess. So you, they put on a good show, and it sounds like a lot of people around the world watched it, so it was uh, good, good hours of entertainment. Now, Melbourne-Brisbane last Friday night was extremely good entertainment. I thought it was one of the matches of the year. It was a Taylor, you know, Taylor two halves. Brisbane were absolutely uh, scintillating out of the blocks for the first half, and, uh, yeah, I watched it with you, and I looked at the $5 Melbourne and hesitated, didn't take it in play, and got egg all over my face and, yeah, just grabbed myself up and couldn't pull the trigger on the Ds. But, yeah. wow, didn't the Ds run them ragged for that last half? Yeah, if, uh, yeah, it was a game of two halves, really. Mm. We were uh, saying during the first half and at half time how impressive Brisbane were and, uh, you know, where the cracks developing in Melbourne. But, uh, geez, as good as Brisbane played the first half, Melbourne were better in the second half. They were, uh, that, was, that was a very good game of football, wasn't it? Like, you know, from start to finish, um, the skills were high. Um, and yeah, Melbourne, you know, they'll be flag favourites for uh, much of the year now until they, uh, I guess, get to the finals and see how they go from there. But uh, yeah, they're as impressive as they want to be. That was very good. Mm, tipping there was uh, a few people that were snuck up in the car across the border and uh, there was a lot of D supporters in the crowd. So there'd be a few bodgy IDs getting around and uh, a couple of people uh, sneaking and sweating it after a big drive. I'm, I'm tipping there were a lot of D's fans that uh, did the naughty thing there. But um it's an interesting one in my mind now. We've got, I think there's there's three clear chances, and Melbourne have beaten the two the two dangers to them. But how does a Brisbane Lions beat Melbourne at the MCG? And I think if I had to choose a side, uh, I'd, I'd say that the Bulldogs are more likely to beat Melbourne at the MCG uh, come come late in the year. Yeah, 
I see you're still not including uh, Richmond in your in your top three here now. I don't, you know, at some stage you're going to have to put <laughs> I up I got your, it wrong. At, no, at some stage you're going to have to put up your hand later in the year when Richmond <laughs> are coming and uh, and include them probably in your chances. Um, let's, uh, you know, I mean, the, the top three are going strong, but, uh, geez, Richmond are uh, putting together. We've seen this before a few times, Richmond. They were uh, they were tested on the weekend as well. They still have their flat spots, and I'm, I'm saying you can't have two quarters where you just switch off, which they did again against Essendon. And I thought Essendon were entitled to be in front up until the last quarter. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, everyone has a flat spot. So you could have said that against Brisbane, against Melbourne, True. the second half. Uh, the Bulldogs switched off against Melbourne as well. Um, you know, you can't play your best football all the time. And if you look at history and at short term history with Richmond, uh, they're as well placed as any year they've won the flag in the last four years. So mm. uh, I wouldn't be dropping off them. Um, but, you know, obviously Melbourne have got a big advantage now that they've got the two games clear on top. Um, and, you know, they might be able to rest players and stuff like that on the back end of the year. Probably not now. They've got the bye coming up. But, um, yeah, listen, if the if the finals are in Melbourne at the MCG, maybe Melbourne might get a crowd. They might uh, <laughs> chisel off some supporters. They might come back from the snow, and, uh, you know, they'll have a probably wild... can't get to the snow. They'll have a wild ride in September. But um, uh, the, I think the final eight, um, you know, we've said that it's for probably set. four or five weeks yeah. now, it looks pretty set. Um, be surprised if someone did drop out. But, um, yeah, I'm not sure it's a three-horse race just yet for mm. the flag. It, uh, I was just staggered to see Clayton Oliver and uh, Petrarca in that last quarter, the fourth quarter. They were running like it was the first quarter. They were absolutely in beast mode and, uh, wow, they've just gone to a completely new level altogether. So good luck to all the uh, the D's fans. I saw a lot of them tweeting in the first quarter on, on Twitter. They are all sort of reverse crying, saying, oh, you know, we're playing awful and this and that and you know, yeah. kicking the dog and kicking the cat, but uh, it's good to see they've got high expectations for their footy yeah. side now. You know that all of a sudden they've, um, you know, they look up an eleven and one, and they don't want to see them playing bad footy. And so, with the side they've got, uh, it's good because the players set the same standard for themselves, uh, and they would have been frustrated with their first half, and they were all able to adjust and look what they did in the second half. So, um, yeah, no, they uh, they're well led by their midfield, aren't they? Gorn, Oliver, and Petrarca are going very well. So. Um, yeah, I think they'll. Uh, they might teach Collingwood, poor Collingwood, a lesson this week. Mm, it's a uh, nice segue into poor Collingwood. We uh, we put up a little bit of a Twitter poll. It's on the screen now. There's a lot of rumour, and I guess Carlton have come out on the front foot, and they're going to do an an, what, an external internal review of the football department. Barker's already gone. Johnny Barker's stepped down from his role, yeah. and uh, we put a little tweet out there with a poll and said, "Who will be the first AFL coach to be sacked?" And uh, David Teague won the vote, 59.5%. Buckley second, 31.2%. And then Ratton, 7.5%. And other lists below. Uh, our mate Top Rope Tedeschi chimes in, sacked them all. <laughs> That's probably the, one of those on-brand statements. If uh, he's not getting a coach sacked in the NRL, Tedeschi uh, is looking for uh, blood in the AFL yeah, ranks. <laughs> it's rare he shows uh, interest in the <laughs> AFL code when there's, uh, when there's some voice around about a coach being sacked. Uh, the media love getting around these stories. You know, it's a, you know we we kind of sit back and laugh that uh, well, not laugh, but like just criticise a bit that you know they want to protect the players at all costs with mm, the uh, mental health, yeah, but... with the mental health and goal kicking, and let's not go after Max King and you know leave uh, Higgins and all that alone. But geez, they don't mind going after a coach. They don't worry about the coach's mental health at all. It seems so. It's very uh, very diverse in the way they uh, protect one and and 
yeah, love to uh, blood in the water on the other. So, yeah, Carlton are going to go through their pro- uh, protocols, I guess. Um, but, yeah, there's a few coaches. And, and I think you made a good point the other day when we were talking about it. It's one, w- when one block falls in the coaching, mm. I think you might see it's three or couple. four this year. Yeah, so. Well, it's a race to get the, ne- the next best talent in the marketplace. Yeah, it's almost a pressure situation when uh, when someone wants to miss out on the next great thing, I think. So, yeah, in the next probably I, – I don't know if anything will happen in the next couple of weeks. Maybe if Collingwood get belt, belted this week by Melbourne, they're uh, – they might do something, but uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see who pulls the pin first. But there'll be definitely some coaching changes before uh, 2022 season for sure. Mm, there's a lot of talk about Sam Mitchell stepping up for Clarkson, which would mean that Clarkson could go somewhere else. Ross Lyon seems to be lurking in the yeah, background, and I guess the def- this is t- it's a good time to sell someone like Ross Lyon. The game's pretty average at the moment, pretty defensive. Yeah, true. He'll it slot could, right in. He'll slot right into the uh, the modern game. He could go to Carlton win a flag. <laughs> Yeah. Easily. Well, Carlton are going okay. He's got no defence. So if Ross Lyon adds that, then uh, maybe the premiership bound in 2022. Who knows? Okay. So of the Rabbles, uh, Hawthorne's one of them, sadly. Hawthorne, Collingwood, Carlton, St Kilda. Who would you inherit? Uh, if, you, if you were a coach and you could have your cherry pick, who would you like? Right now at the list, Carlton. I'd go Carlton uh, on the proviso that they keep Mackay. Mm. Um, you know, he, he. I think he's just. Doing, Is he on the market? I think he's just doing the professional shop around. Um, you know, I don't think he's any different to mm. to what Merritt's doing at Essendon. I don't think Merritt's going to leave Essendon. Um, not just because of their upward curve. I just think he's shopping himself around and getting top dollar for what Essendon will pay for him. I'm sure Mackay's doing the same. Um, and if Carlton, you know, Carlton can't let him walk out the door. Mm. Um, I tell you so, what, all, all like, I'm not sure how Collingwood's salary cap's going, uh, but uh, Hawthorne yep. and Essendon would absolutely love a Mackay. Yeah, I'm not sure how Car- uh, Collingwood could throw their hat in the ring after mm. letting Trelaw and the debacle yeah, the of last year. So, um, yeah, I'd, listen, if I had a choice of the four you mentioned, uh, I'd probably choose Carlton. But, um, geez, you'd want to be a pretty strong coach going in there because their culture over the last 20 years is not good. Okay, so then if Hawthorne or Essendon la- landed, oh, the Essendon job's not up for grabs, but if yeah. Hawthorne landed Harry Mackay, would yeah. you then swap your pick and want to coach Hawthorne? Uh, I think Hawthorne are a fair way off him at the moment. Mackay would obviously make a big difference. He'd make a big difference to any side. He's leading the Coleman at the moment. Mm. He won't win the Coleman, but he's leading it at the <laughs> moment. Um, but, yeah, player changes make a big deal. I mean, if he went to Collingwood, that would make a big difference yeah. to, to their setup because yeah. they've virtually got Dugowie and Elliott going forward, and that's mm. it. Um, so you put, you know, imagine a Mackay in the Collingwood setup, all of a sudden they can go fast. Yeah. And they've shown glimpses the last two weeks when they go fast how, how good a side potentially they can be. So... Um, player changes make a big difference for sure, but I, I think Carlton out of the four that you mentioned would be the um, would be my choice. Mm, so maybe uh, the poll is correct. Fifty nine point five percent want to or think that T's going to uh, get the chop, and uh, with John Barker already gone, maybe it's going to happen sooner rather than later. Let's have a look at the bookie wrap. We've got so much to get through on today's show. Uh, round twelve, the favourites went uh, fifty percent, three and six. The line two and six, thirty three percent. Uh, the over went three and six, and then for the season we've got uh, the favourite seventy five and one hundred five at seventy one percent. The line is uh, almost schmack bang on there fifty two and one hundred five, and then uh, the total over fifty seven out of uh, one hundred five at fifty four percent. So, yeah, it's a yeah the, the the plus there was a few of them uh, that got backed, but um, yeah. the real big goes for the week, and there, there's a couple of interesting angles here. Brisbane Lions were four and a half to three and a half. Big miss that one. Yeah, yeah. The book. I think the um, this is crazy. A, this is a clear win to the bookies this week. Um, mm. 
the only problem is for the bookies, one or two that I spoke to is a short week. So <laughs> unfortunately they get the results rolled in way and, um, you know, they're obviously a restriction of turnover, um, especially with multis and stuff like that with only the six games compared to the nine, obviously drags down your bottom line. But, yeah, the bookies won this weekend pretty solidly. Um, and, yeah, as you're about to discuss, a few of the misses. Um, yeah, the well, other interesting one there, Sydney line was 7.5 to 22.5. It was a miss. And then Carlton were 2.5 to 13.5. It's It was incredible. I, yeah. I was all over Carlton. I thought West Coast had barely field a side. And I guess that's why Carlton are in their predicament. It was yep. they, They've lost the unlosable. And yep. a side that just had a better attitude turns up and yeah. and, and get, gets the job done. So, it's yeah, it's been amazing that... Oh, yeah. I'm, kicking, I'm kicking myself now and never again, Carlton, for me, not until they get drastic changes or they play someone as bad as Auckland. Yeah. But they've already done that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, they just can't go to war with this side. Yeah, the um, you know, we've kind of we picked up on it in the first probably uh, three to four weeks of the season that the, uh, the modelling angle, um, which has a big influence on the AFL uh, trends, um, really like Carlton this year. Um, and I thought there'd be an adjustment at some stage Um with the way the modellers see Carlton, but, you know, they, they smashed him on the weekend. Um, it was almost a one-goer, um, and the bookies got a massive result out of it. So, yeah, I, I think um, a few modellers are still scratching their head, but they keep backing up week after week. They've got plenty of money. They must be going well for the rest of the games because mm. they keep pouring it into Carlton. Um, and I think the only two games this year that they haven't been back, they've won, um, and the rest, I think, bar one, maybe they've missed. So um, they've really got Carlton as one of their bogey sides. I'm sure when they're looking at their stats... Um, they're going, how are we reading Carlton here, fair income? So West Coast got to a massive price in the end. Um, great trading game as well. It would have been live. So, um, yeah, well, it'll be interesting to see. Carlton got the buy this week, so good for the modellers. They can have a week off and more cash in their pocket. We'll see how they come back the way around after. All right, well, um, we'll skip through to Sting in the Tail, and we've made it Carlton this week. We might as well just get all our Carlton bashing out in a really <laughs> quick uh, time frame here. But they're 4-8, and eight, but a point that you've raised here is – Teague stepped in as an interim coach. He stepped in when they were absolute rabble. And for those that have been following the game for the last sort of 10 years, there is a pattern here of not giving the Carlton coaches much of a chance. They, yeah. how do, what, did you, what do you recall? They they like to eat their own, you say. Well, they're a bit like Richmond before Hardwick. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, know, they even if, wanted him gone. Yeah. if you Well, yeah, up until that point, that was always their culture. They, you know, they had a high turnover of coaches mm. um, through a decent period. There, Richmond, you know, they were successful in the 80s and then they had a real um, pattern. You're right, Hardwick was out the door ex- except but Brendan, Brendan Gale saved him. Mm. And Carlton since the 2000s now, well, their last flag was in 95. They so, bought that one, didn't they? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's a side <laughs> issue. That's a long conversation as well if you want to have it in, in depth. But, um, yeah, so n- n- now we're going on 25 years since our last premiership um, and they're the least successful in the 2000s. I think they've had maybe five wooden spoons. I think the stats go, um, and haven't played too many final series in that time, um, and their turnover of coaches is pretty poor. And I think it also reflects on the administration that they have at Carlton. Um, I'm not sure whether they've got the balance right generally of football people and power brokers. Mm. Um, they love the businessmen to lead. Yeah, they do, don't they? Um, and maybe that doesn't uh, translate through to the uh, on-field performances. But, yeah, Carlton have got some issues for sure. Uh, they've got changes at the top again. Um and a lot of people were surprised about T getting the job for sure, um, you know, um, whether they should have got an experienced coach because the culture needs to change there. So, you know, what happens to the processes that they went through mm. to come up with that Teague was their man three years ago and now if they turn around and say do go a Ross Lyon or even a Hardwick if he becomes available, Clarkson. what's the shift in philosophies for Carlton then, you know, do they, they go back to the experience because they need 
They need a football person, basically. Um, they need a hard edge. They don't like playing defense. Um, so, yeah, Carlton have got some real issues, and their supporters don't like not having success. But like a few other sides, they've, uh, they've been cellar dwellers for a long time now. Mm, so their draw opens up a little bit. So there is some sort of hope for them. So they could easily pinch a couple of big wins on the trot, and maybe it's a good time to get rid of the coach, fresh start, get some wins on the board, get some Momentum. positive PR, yeah. and then you know, over time just change their structures. But I think Teague made the mistake. Or It's a funny one because we like to see attacking football and everyone wants to see attacking football. Which they do play. Yeah, which they do play. Yep. But they just keep falling short. But they just look lost. Their game strategy looks to not have evolved. Well, when it looks a bit of a mess. When they're off, they're bad. Mm. And um, They turn the ball over a lot. Yeah, I think uh, Eddie Betts mentioned it, I don't know if it was yesterday or the day before, he says, listen, when we play good, we, we look top class, and when we play bad, we're very ordinary. Mm. And that's the gap at AFL level that you've got to find that balance, and that comes with attacking with defensive as well. And I think that's what has made allowed Melbourne to make the jump and probably Brisbane two years ago. Um, that in terms of improvement, they've really found that balance um, and they move as a team and Carlton just probably playing as individuals. And remember, Carlton did bring in um, 20 recruits mm, and maybe they just haven't gelled with, you know, Sard and Williams and everything like that. They kind of all want to keep playing their way. They've recruited to pay, play finals and they're a mile off. Yeah, they're a mile off. They won't play this year, but you're right. Maybe the time uh, is to get rid of Teague now. Um, if that's their decision, then they give themselves a good chunk of games to go in, build up some momentum, um, show some positive signs, sign Mackay, and uh, get ready for 2022. Mm. All right, well, uh, there we go. So uh, thoughts and prayers with uh, David Teague there. He looks like he's uh, yeah walking on very, very thin ice. And, yeah, as we said, once one domino falls, there could be a couple. So uh, no one is safe in uh, this AFL world. And just uh, watch the media pick apart these guys' lives. It is uh, incredible how much uh, damage they can do to uh, others' mental health while they sort of get on their high horse and say, you know, Let's look after the players and all that garbage. Now, today's show, we've got uh, we've got some AFL previews for this week on round 13. We've got the NRL. We've got Origin with top row, round 14. A couple of matches there. We've got lock of the week. Oh, God. We've done it again. We've found a way to get beat again. It, uh, it's, it's, I'm, nearly, I'm nearly ready to sack the segment, to be honest. Yeah, we... Uh... <laughs> I think we're, we're going to have a meeting next week if we can't get on the board and just uh, cut it out the charity. They just want the 200 the top uh, top sports give we'll up every it. week and just bank it's, it. It's yeah. all those punters clubs that you have with your mates. You know when they say, oh, we'll bank 20% and bet the rest? Yeah. I think we just need to bank all of it. Yeah, we, just keep, we just keep finding those close losses <laughs> that just keep checking us. Um, but, yeah, we've gone 0 for 3 in the lock. So, uh, anyway, we'll roll out next, this week and uh, see how we go. Maybe Top Rope can lead the way in uh, State of Origin this week. We'll uh, we'll do our best for uh, our streams and we'll find other ways to make money for charity. Last year, I think we raised 17K for motor neuron disease. So make sure you, you get behind Fight M&D. It's the big match on Monday. Buy a beanie. Uh, we'll certainly do that also. But if you're having a bet this weekend, support the bookmaker that supports us. Top Sport do great work for charity. Tristan shaved his melon uh, not long ago and his uh, daughter was absolutely filthy about it. But uh, if you're betting this weekend, make sure you bet with a bookmaker you can trust. The Millerhands have been in the game for 35 years. Topsport.com. Com.au. Up next, we're going to talk AFL Round 13, and let's look at the big blockbusters. 
Welcome back to Little Birdie Podcast. I'm your host, Scoot. I've got the kid, MG, and it's time to look at AFL Round 13. And thank God we've got Thursday night football back. We've got Port Adelaide versus the Cats, and it's $1.77, Port Adelaide, at Adelaide Oval, and the Cats 209, and the line 3.5. I tell you what, it took, a, it took the bookies an eternity to put this match up. They're going to private charter flight. It's very, yeah. very dramatic. Uh, scenes here. We've we've had a you know the yeah, don't touch the footy over in Adelaide saga from the the Cho who's running the show over here, and now there's this charter flight and they have to leave straight away. One thing is clear and certain: the AFL players have had a gutful of the hubs, and I I, I tend to agree. Yeah, especially for a town like Geelong that doesn't have COVID. Mm. Um, you know, for them to have to go through the protocols just because they live in Victoria, I find's a bit strange. But yeah, they took a took a good forty eight hours, I guess, to sort out that the game could be in Adelaide. Hold it, halted betting, um, but now we've got the market up and uh, the cats are sorted out and they're all ready to go. So this match should be an absolute cracker. Both off the bye, they're fresh. You've got some players coming back. Um, Dangerfield's probably he's still got to get past a fitness test. He'll make a big difference to the market. Um, Big ins, Duncan, Guthrie, Blifkas. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, and you add Dangerfield on top. Um, You know, if Dangerfield plays, I think this market will go to pick. Um, And I I think the boogies are just having a bit each way. I think the market probably settles at four or five port if Dangerfield doesn't play. Um, But I I think the money will come for Geelong, obviously, if Dangerfield plays with the, uh, the whole midfield coming back in. Um, but yeah, listen, they're both eight and three. Um, you know, this is a top four game, uh, potentially a top two, um, big game for Geelong. They've won over there, so they won't hold any fears of late in their history. Um, as I said, they're both fresh and ready to go. So, uh, Thursday night football is good. We've got state of origin Wednesday, AFL Thursday, uh, and then we we get right through to Monday. So this week of, uh, sports insane. Yeah, I've already booked date night on Sunday night with the missus. So, <laughs> I, and I've, I've bumped into West Coast Richmond for that game. So I've had to sacrifice that one, but I'll um, I'll be steering the remote for the for the next couple of nights. That's for sure. What's Geelong will turn this try and turn this into a grind? And do you think that Port's best chances to play attacking footy and make it a, a score score fest? Like, how, uh, Port, what's the best way to attack this from the Port Adelaide team? Uh, Port have played just as many Dower games as uh, Geelong yeah. this year. They they don't mind having a low scoring game. Yeah, I don't think there's I don't think there's too many points. I think the totals are probably low enough. I, I wouldn't be jumping into the overs either on a Thursday night at the uh, at Football Park. Dewey. Yeah, I, listen, I, I can see this game being you know as low as a 130, 140 Ooh. and someone grinding out a win. Um, you know, because of the importance of the win, I just don't. I think they'll play it a bit like a final um, home crowd at Port Adelaide, but. Either, either team you could see scrapping out a, a 70 to 60 kind of result here, I think. Mm. My my head says that Port should win this, but they've got a fair bit of milk drinker in them. <laughs> Which way are you, Benny? <laughs> it's a cool. They do. They're flat track bullies, but they are at home. But you can just see someone like Geelong really get themselves up mentally for this game. And the game is yeah. played... I'd say what twenty thirty percent in the melon. Yeah, um, yeah. I haven't got too involved in either sides uh, this year. I think they're pretty hard to catch, even though they're they're the top end of a ladder. Um, but yeah, I, I just think at the price, um, just going to wait to see if Dangerfield doesn't doesn't play. But um, yeah, I, I shade Port just at the number if I was having a bet. Um, they posted two. It's now three. Um, I just think with a home ground advantage, it's 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 a wiser bet to go Port. Mm. On uh, Friday night, we've got Sydney Swans versus Hawthorne. There's plenty of weather around, so we're going to skip that one. Gold Coast uh, Suns are on the move there in their match on Saturday. Saints versus Adelaide. That's another treacherous encounter. The Kangas uh, Giants. Oh, it's 
It's, it's, not a, it's not a great card of betting, but I'll tell you what, this uh, this next game that we're going to talk about, Sunday night, Richmond Tigers versus West Coast Eagles at Optus Stadium. Uh, West Coast back up and about, and hopefully a couple of players back in, but uh, Tigers are away favourites here, 168, West Coast Eagles 222. Uh, the line, five and a half. Richmond have just uh, moved into 185 there, and the total here is 161 and a half. Richmond over in Perth. Is it an advantage for them now that they're over there? Is it an even greater advantage that they've been settled in, in the West? Uh, well, they played there last week um, mm. against Essen, but they've travelled back. They didn't stay okay. there. So, um, you know, but obviously familiar surroundings for them. Uh, the, the trips don't hold any fear for Richmond. I think a lot of sides played away from home last year and stuff, so they've got recent memories of uh, playing around. They play the ground well, um, you know. Uh, I think uh, easy bet for you this week. You, you're back on the Tigers train, I think. You're still anti-West no, Coast. No, I'm very anti-West Coast. Anti-West Coast. Um, yeah, geez, I don't like backing sides at home with good uh, interstate teams at home with good records, and West Coast certainly have got one of them. I know they got rolled by Essendon uh, a couple of weeks ago, um, and that'll make them all more determined. They do get uh, a couple of key-ins as well, um, Kennedy and Oscar Allen. Mm. Uh, so Will they play Oscar Allen up four this week? Um, I think so. With the, with with the forwards that Richmond have got, they'll definitely start him there. Um, Mad not to. Yeah, they'll go with the strength. Um, but no, this is a, this is a tough game. Like I, I think just on current form, you would have to uh, shade Richmond at the line. Um, but you know what happens after the result is when you see West Coast win and you go, how could I back West Coast uh, as outsiders at home? Because it doesn't happen too often. Um, so this is a game I'm probably just going to watch, actually. So lucky I made my date uh, night uh, Sunday morning for breakfast, Nico. You know, you've you got to learn from experience. You've got to look at the card first and then make make your uh, family commitments afterwards. Um, not missing out watching the Sunday night clash. This will be a good match um, for West Coast, uh, desperate to, um, well, for Richmond as well, for the final eight here. This is a big game for the loser. Um, puts pressure on them with those that are coming from behind them, even though they've got the two-game gap. But... Um, yeah, I just I just think looking at the market, you you look like Richmond's the preferred bet on current form, but uh, yeah, don't doubt West Coast at home too much. Quickest way to go broke. Mm, I might be going broken. Uh, <laughs> I did it last week. I was all over uh, Western Bulldogs. I thought they were the wrong price against the Dockers, and I'm saying that uh, the Richmond Football Club should be much shorter than the dollar sixty eight in the market. I think what they bet a dollar ninety at some places early in the week. So if you snap that up, well done. Yep. And I think that uh, Richmond are close to a good thing this week. Right. Let's uh, let's talk about the Melbourne Collingwood game. Another game that's been shifted here. We've got the D's one dollar sixteen. I'm not sure. Why they're not a dollar four here? <laughs> Collingwood Magpies five forty and the Lions thirty one and a half. I think it's been twenty nine and a half to thirty one and a half, and one fifty two and a half is the total there. This is at three o'clock on Monday afternoon at the SCG. Yep. Thoughts here, Mark. Yeah, like this game. Um, we've bet this game early. Uh, agree with you. And when I put up the price, I had Richmond much closer to a forty line here, um, and I thought it'd be one way traffic at that. Um, so yeah, to put up a twenty nine. I think I'm getting a uh, a good little pinch to head start. Um, can't see too much money for Collingwood here. Um, the only query I've got in this match is Melbourne coming off playing two 
final-like games mm. um, against the Dogs. Take the foot off the pedal a bit. Yeah, maybe. Um, mm. But I just think when, when you do the, the match-ups, the ratings, whatever you want to come out with, uh, five goals, they can put that on in a quarter against Collingwood. Um, I just don't think Collingwood got too many points in him in this game. Uh, and Melbourne, Melbourne to hold them under 85, 90 points, uh, all of a sudden you see the gap closer to 40 than 30. Mm. So um, I was happy to take the 29 and a half. The market shifted a little bit at the moment. Um, and, you know, I, I, this is probably one of the better bets of the week, I think. Melbourne at minus 29 and a half. Well, now 31 and a half, I'd be still betting. I think it'll only go one way. Um, and uh, Melbourne, will, you know, they'll want to put Collingwood uh, down, I think. They've got a, a big history between them. Um, so They'd be ready to bury them, wouldn't they? Yeah. I think so. I, I just think, you know... Um, you can't expect Elliot to kick what he did last week with six goals. And often, <laughs> often when you come back from yeah. a long break the second week up, you're a bit sore and you don't play as well generally. So they just haven't got the avenues to goal. Plus they've got to get through late Lever and May as well. So, um, yeah, I'd be keen to back Melbourne probably the 40-plus at the moment. I think it's about 225 or 230 as well. Mm, I'll be definitely with you there. The uh, the dollar sixteen will be in plenty of my flair multis. That's for sure. If uh, if you like what you hear from Mark's analysis, make sure you check out uh, Mark's AFL stings in the little birdie shop. I think it's about one hundred sixty five dollars for the rest of the season. You get a comprehensive uh, preview of every match, and it's about two or three pages. So uh, it's plenty of reading to help you uh, through all the matches. Mark doesn't bet in all of them, but uh, if you want to bet in every single match, you can uh, look at his analysis and uh, cross-references, reference it with uh, what you see. Okay, that's enough for us with uh, AFL. We're going to have a break from the uh, the futures this week because we're going to cram in some French Open tennis and some basketball, as we said before. Uh, so we'll take a break. But uh, if you're doing the form this weekend for the Stradbroke or Swan Hill, make sure you check out punningform.com.au. They've got some brand new features as part of their sectional pro form packs. So uh, give punningform.com.au a, a bit of a look this weekend if you're betting the ponies. But uh, up next, we're going to talk to Ace Previews and we're going to talk French Open. Welcome back to Little Birdie Podcast. I'm your host, Scoot. I've got MG in studio. I've just done the AFL. Now it's time to talk tennis with our man, Ace Previews, uh, Stevie Quick. How are you, mate? You you fresh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, incredibly fresh. Nothing like watching a, a couple of outrights last night till 2 a.m. in the morning lose... Was it six eight in the third set and seven nine in the third set? So, yeah, look, it was a bit like watching um, Jack Higgins try and kick a goal on on the weekend. It was it was really comfortable viewing last night. Oh, well, at least uh, Melbourne lockdown hasn't affected you. You're uh, you're just watching tennis all day and night, and you're just betting your brains out. It's uh, it's good to hear you. I think yeah, just off air there, you said you're eight units in front, so you're winning the battle, and uh, you've had a couple of sick beats. You've you've seen it all with uh, Djokovic and Mazzetti. Wow. That was a uh, a strange one. He's walked off the court. He's just thrown the toys out of the cot and uh, and given up after having Djokovic on the ropes. Yeah, look, I, I think it, it shows <laughs> obviously how hard it is to beat those top players over over the best of five format. You know, take two tie breaks and then only won one game afterwards. And then yeah, toys out of the cot. Had enough. Didn't said he wasn't injured and just decided to, <laughs> to do the best of it, uh, just uh, you know that's it. O- off we go. Um, yeah, All bets void. Yeah, oh, yeah, not great if you're on the uh, minus 9.5 for, for Novak. You probably thought you've lost it for about two and a half hours and then just when you're about to go and collect uh, two games from, from another bagel, Lorenzo just decided, you know what, I think, I think I've think i had enough of this. I'm not really enjoying being on centre court against Novak and, and off we go. So, look, it wasn't... Um, 
It was probably equal parts. You know, he's just, he hasn't really handled the press conference very, very well. <laughs> just gotta, I just feel like at some point you just need to know maybe what to say and maybe what not to say. And, and just going, I can't win. I didn't think I could win a game, so I'm going to retire. Probably not the best tactic. Can you imagine betting into that much after the John Rahm scenario as well? Imagine if you had that. It's just a new way to get beaten on the punt every week, and it's just something new and different. I'd love to get like a little encyclopedia of ways that you can get absolutely sausage on the punt. Oh, there'd be a long list. It'd be a massive list. Yeah, we could get our, we could get our crew together. I'm sure everyone's got a full full chapter of bad beats. Um, and even the Logan Paul, that if you could find a bookie that was betting on that one, even those bets were void. Yeah, because we I back Mayweather hoping and knock him out, <laughs> and he didn't. You're so wondering. then it was all bets off anyway. You were wondering where is a dollar ninety? Yeah, to knock him out. I was yeah. bet, I was taking a dollar ninety to knock him out yeah. anyway. So yeah, I just love betting. Now speaking of loving betting, let's have a look at the uh, the French over market. And if uh, if you love betting, you've probably already taken uh, the good price Nadal. Uh, he started much bigger than the dollar sixty two on offer at Top Sport at the moment. Sitsi Pass is five fifty. Djokovic is seven fifty. Zerev. Uh, 9.75. His missus posted a very funny video uh, yesterday on Insta. Big fan of her work. Um, <laughs> Matteo uh, Baronetti is 71 and Schwartzman is 161. Tell us why we shouldn't just be reloading on Nadal here, Ace. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think we could probably go back and... Um, and rewind and replay from a couple of weeks ago. As I said, like the, the, the form is certainly there on, on the surface, uh, particularly at Roland Garros. <laughs> so it, it is hard to make a case against him at the moment. Um, look, maybe perhaps, you know, he, he gets some dodgy conditions against Novak <laughs> in the semifinal. It, it's, it's hard to make a case against him, particularly when he when he gets to the final here. Um, it, it's... You know, Free money. not many players. Not many players come into the, the quarterfinals of a of a Grand Slam, and they're a dollar three. I think he is to, tonight against Schwartzman. So, look, I I can't make a case at the moment. I, I think it's going to take. You know, I've watched three players now. I think try and serve out sets against him this week, and they haven't been able to serve out a set. So, I, I, I'm struggling to see someone be able to do that three times against Nadal in a particular match. Mm. And uh, looking at the men, uh, the women's side, sorry, uh, Iga Schweistek, she's still the uh, the favourite there. So she's probably got her biggest um, challenge tonight, I think, of the, the rest of them. I, I think Zachary is the type of player who can frustrate um, Iga a, a little bit. Um, I, I think if there's one knock on Iga's game, it's that sometimes, you know, particularly against players who can retrieve and, and extend points really well, and I'll use Halep at the... Um, Halep at the Australian Open this year as an example, that she can get a little bit frustrated and start to go for a little bit too much. I think she doesn't realise how good she is and the fact that she doesn't really need to try and find lines every time she hits. So I think Zachary's looked really good this tournament. Um, and I think looking at, I think there's a plus five games, I think is available at the moment, looks at a decent shot, particularly with Zachary through, I think it's three of her four games. Um, here in Paris has won over 80% of points behind her first serve. So she's going a little bit bigger. She's been a little bit more aggressive and, and might be able to put up a, a bit of a challenge for Schwartek. Mm, and do you, what about the $4 off the stick there? Is it worth, if you're on Schwartek early in the tournament, is uh, Maria worth a saver bet here and or not? I think potentially. So I, I'm the other way. So I have a very small amount on Zachary at 80s. So I'm, I'm probably leaving that and maybe just making a small play at the handicap. But I think when you look at the players that are left in this draw, particularly, 
you know, the, that's Zidansek and Pavlyuchenko are in the, the the other semi-final. I think this is probably the bigger test for for Iga. Um, so, I would if if Schweitek's your only play on on the outright, I think this is probably the the bigger danger game for her out of the the three that remain if she were to to make her way through. I'm just checking my phone, and you've left me at a Maria at 80, so no worries at all. Let's uh, <laughs> let's have a bet in uh, Natal's match tonight. Uh, yeah, by all means, take the dollar three if you like against Schwartzman here. Uh, $14 Diego, and then it's a, a flat nine, uh, the line, and then the uh, the total games is 28 and a half. How can we have a bet into this uh, Nadal-Schwartzman clash, Ace? I mean, it's easy to use the term better than bank interest for the Rafa at a dollar three, particularly the way the banks are at the moment. But uh, I'm I'm more interested in looking at the, the the minus nine games here. I think these two met in the Roland Garros semifinal last year uh, in conditions that were probably more favourable for Schwartzman, and he and he couldn't get it done there. Couldn't take a set off off Rafa. Um, Schwartzman looked. I mean, he, he really struggled for, for long periods of his match with Struff the other day uh, to be able to hold serve consistently. Um, so I think, you know, fast forward to, to this quarterfinal um, day conditions against Rafa, uh, I think it's going to be a really, really tough time for Diego. Mm. Marcos? Yeah, okay. Minus nine Rafa. That sounds like a good bet. Um <laughs> Just uh, going forward, how do you see the weekend panning out with, uh, you know, your, your tips for both finals, for both the men and the women's? Who, who do you think will play off for the titles? I think playing off for the titles, I, look, I have Rafa and, and Novak getting through here um, in, in their quarterfinals tonight. So they will be meeting in the semifinal. I do think playing in a semifinal is is the best chance, I think, for Novak to, to beat Rafa. He's obviously struggled in, in finals here in the past against him. Uh, but I see Rafa coming through. Sitsapas versus Rev in the other semi-final. I mean, they've, they've both had relatively comfortable draws to get to that point, but you know, you you'd probably have to go with with Sitsapas, um, just based on his, his overall body of work uh, through the entire clay season. So I'd probably be looking to a, a Nadal Sitsapas final, and I think over the best of five. I think Sitsapas showed a couple of weeks ago he struggled to close uh, Rafa out across best of three. So I think it's going to be a, a, a tough ask for him there. And I think on the women's. Um, Look, I think the winner of Schweitek Zachary takes it out. Wow. Um, I, I think you look to the bottom, Zidansek and Pavlyuchenkova, they've both had great tournaments. I mean, Zidansek was um, two points away from losing in the first round to, to Andreescu, and you fast forward 10 days, she's in her first Grand Slam semifinal, and Andreescu sacked her coach. So there's fine <laughs> margins in this game of, of tennis. <laughs> um, so it's... Wow. It's been a big, it's been a big couple of weeks for um, those two down the bottom. But I think you know whoever comes out of that that top half, and I would imagine that if the winner of Sakari and and uh, Schwitek is probably going to be able to knock off Krychikova or or Coco in the in that top half there. But maybe one to keep an eye on and, and having a look at the top sport markets is, um, you know, I, I was looking forward to seeing Coco Golf play at Wimbledon this year, given she played really well as a as a very very young player at, at the top of the game in 2019. And I think she's longer odds in the outright markets there than a number of players um, that aren't particularly great or adept on, on grass. So that's one to probably keep an eye out for the next month or so. Really tip. Yeah, outstanding. A little uh, speculator. And now uh, Steve knows like his it. business. Swiatek last year at $34. And yeah. he's found Maria 
at uh, at eighties and left us all out or left me out. If you subscribe to his stuff, you're probably <laughs> absolutely all over it. Steve, we'll let you uh, grab a coffee or go back to bed, and uh, good luck for the rest of the uh, the French Open. And uh, I can't wait to catch up with her a game of golf or a beer as soon as we get out of this uh, stinking lockdown. But uh, well done, mate. No worries. Thanks very much for having me, guys. Thanks, guys. If uh, you're having a bet this weekend on the French Open, make sure you check out Top Sport. They've got about uh, 16 prop markets on every uh, game of the finals, and you can back the win, you can back the line, you can back the totals, you can flare right up, you can put Nadal in a Melbourne Storm multi, as we like to do. You can put him into the Ds this week, put him into the Tigers, and uh, make sure you do it responsibly, of course. We're going to take a break, and it's time to talk Origin and Rugby League with our man at Top Ropes Edition. Welcome back to the Little Birdie Podcast. I'm your host, Scoot. I've got MG in studio with me and Top Rope Tedeschi time. It's Hall of Fame time. We're going to get uh, straight into him, but uh, he looks like he's just walked <laughs> off set from, uh, I don't know, the River Wild or Homeward Bound or something. What's with that jacket, Top Rope? Scooty is snowing. I have just, I'm, <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm rattled this morning. I'm all over the shop. It's Origin Day. I haven't got a bet on. It's it's carnage at the moment. Absolute carnage. Definitely on the back foot. Now, uh, Hall of Fame. And there's an illustrious list of stars. This is someone who does something good on the punt, or there's a renowned punting story, a sting. Juppie's been in there. Jamie Carr's in there. Barocia's been in there. Hugh Bowman's been in there. I'm sure Oliver, Mr. One Bet, he's been in there. And last week it was Jan- Xander Schuffle, uh with his side action, him and Phil down at Torrey Pines in their off time. They'd be betting more uh, around a golf than the prize money available on the PGA Tour. MG, uh, you're struggling to get many runs on the board in the Hall of Fame. We just keep flat out rejecting your nominations. Who you got this week? Yeah, you got one or two in. Oh, oh yeah, you have, but that's not many. One or two nominations. Oh. Um, <laughs> well, I keep batting up every week, so, you know. Just slam you down. Who have you got this week? You got anyone? Well, I was sitting back. He'd probably have some punning stories, this guy. Yeah. And we watched him box on Sunday. Uh, and I thought Top Rope might have tuned in Top Rope, but uh, Money Mayweather, he's uh, he's renowned for throwing plenty of cash around. He loves walking into uh, some of your establishments and uh, lighting it up. So I'm uh, I'm going to go with what was it called? Uh, Le- Le- legalized bank robbery was it? Yeah, and then I love that one. The uh, the follow up too was uh, Money Not Legacy uh, pays the bills. He's got to be the king, doesn't he? He comes out with the only fans hat on. And uh, he's got his own rappers to uh, for his hype music. That'd be along the uh, your lines, wouldn't it, Top Rope? Absolutely love the nomination. Absolutely love the nomination. And and look, kid, so close. He's probably a future Hall of Famer, no doubt. <laughs> Not this week. <laughs> we can't, Top Rope, we can't put him in this week. We can't, for starters. If you're involved in uh, if you're involved in a sport that I'm not betting on. Then there's yeah. a serious issue as to the legitimacy of that sport. So, uh, <laughs> major concerns. I think I, I think I was betting on women's European Tour golf and uh, some badminton uh, uh, point betting, points betting at that stage. So, um, no, this week we're going to give it to we're going to give it to to probably something that's been incredibly hard done by, particularly in your neck of the woods. Um, the Hall of Fame nomination this week is uh, COVID. COVID. COVID this week. We're putting COVID in the Hall of Fame. Um, anyone who backed Colin Morikawa or Patrick Cantlay on, uh, the, at the Memorial on, <laughs> on, uh, on the weekend had pretty much torn up their tickets. Uh, if we, of course, lived in a day where we got tickets. 
John Rahm walks off leading by six shots. Birdies, I think he had 11 putts in the back nine. Could not possibly lose the Memorial. Would have traded a one less. Walks off, gets told, you've got COVID, son, you're out. Now, when you talk about miracles, and I am someone who backed both Morikawa and Cantlay, that kind of miracle does not happen too often. So, uh, it's a COVID you know miracle. <laughs> and I'll tell you what, getting getting that golf bet up barely put a dent in the deficit for the weekend, but it was much appreciated nonetheless. <laughs> uh, sometimes miracles do happen. If you don't believe in God, you obviously didn't back Patrick Cantlay or Colin Morikawa on the weekend because that was amazing. Yeah, COVID, yep, COVID's wreaked some damage across the world. There's been some people who've gotten a little ill. There's been <laughs> cities that have been shut down, sure. It's a, COVID does have its problems. It's not perfect. When it comes to the golf sense, it gets the job done, and I've got a big thank you for it. Well done, COVID. You're in the Hall of Fame. Well done, Patrick Cantlay. I'll tell you what, Top Rope, you might be onto something. It could be performance enhancing. We have John Rahm going on uh, tournament record speed, and I did uh, I cast my eye over a really interesting one. There was a... Uh, there was a, a marathon or a long-distance runner who ran a sub-28 for the 10,000 a couple of days ago. His name was Emil Carreras. I've, I've pronounced uh, his name right there. But he uh, he's qualified in uh, for the 10,000-metre event. He had COVID 10 weeks ago, and he's uh, he's run a sub-28 for the 10,000 wow, to qualify wow, for the wow. Olympics. So I'll tell you what, this is performance-enhancing. Any racehorse trainer oh. out there... You've just seen how good John Rahm goes, and now all of a sudden, a ten thousand meter athlete—they'll start swabbing this in the uh, in the gallops, top rope. I'll tell Tony. you, I'll tell you what, Scooty. If if, if uh, I'm no anti-vaxxer, if I can get away with eleven putts for nine holes, I'll be honest, they're going to do well to catch me and stick that needle in the arm. There'll be no jab coming this way. Because all I want is to be able to get around like that. So, uh, you know what? You might be onto something, Scooty. You might mm. be onto something. Any any trainers out there we can get to test this one out? Any uh, anyone <laughs> loose with the truth? There'd be a few willing. Yeah, there'd be uh, many <laughs> willing. I'd, uh, I'd have no doubt about that. No, but, no uh, names. We've got no names. Yes. We'll try and stay on air and uh, we'll keep our yeah. sponsors happy there. Let's talk about uh, the origin. You sort of previewed it a little bit last week. It's on tonight. It's at Townsville, Tent City. I think uh, some of the criticism I saw uh, one bookie uh, said, "Have a look at these uh, rural and country towns charging an arm and a leg for uh, subpar accommodation." I tell you what, I whacked him in into place. I said, "Mate, the only robbing robbing is being done at Darwin Cup is you betting 140 percent on your boards. Don't you give these uh, rural and uh, country towns a whack for accommodation?" But uh, the money. The bookmakers have copped a bit of a whack. It's all one-way traffic here. New South Wales, I think they've had as good as two and a half. It's now to five and a half. 148 New South Wales, 275 the Maroons, and uh, 42 and a half, and there's been money for the uh, the under. They're starting to listen to your top rope. They think it's uh, it's going to go under, the punters. Do you ever get a sense of deja vu, boys? Uh, <laughs> every year it just seems like New South Wales game one, off the map, Queensland can't win. The last seven games of non-neutral site, the, the home team's won. Seven of the last uh, uh, nine Origin games have been decided, game ones have been decided by single digits, five of the last seven by a try less. Uh, Queensland, uh, they absolutely do not have the amount of talent that New South Wales have, but they absolutely have a better team. They're better coach. I, I honestly don't get this thing. To me, this is an absolute picking game. Uh and I will be all over the plus five and a half for the big odds against Queensland. You can have the Blues. I reckon this Queensland side 
is prime for this game. I, that, Townsville could not suit Queensland any better. Yep, it'll be a fast track that'll suit New South Wales. It is going to be rabbit up there. There will not be a blue jersey in sight. And if there is a blue jersey in sight, they're going to find themselves buried under the mad cow by the end of the evening. <laughs> this one's ahead of oh, Andrew Johns has uh, been quoted in one of today's papers saying that uh, Munster at 5'8 is giving him nightmares. And I hope you're right. I'm going to plough into the Queenslanders. I was born Sunny Coast, so I'm going to go to war with them at five and a half. Hopefully it gets to a six. I love the uh, six as a bit of a push would number. Would love the six. Would oh, love the six. Would horn, oh. uh, <laughs> would horn right up. <laughs> and then we'll go for the uh, the double bubble there. We'll go the under 42 and a half. Nice little number for us there. Top rope, it's uh, really tricky stuff. Round 14, Rugby League. Uh, let's have a look at a couple of blockbusters and help uh, help navigate us through this. You might have to put your uh, little snowshoes on to uh, get through this garbage. <laughs> It, uh, it's Friday night at Lotto Land. I'm surprised they're still going. Uh, Friday night, <laughs> 6 o'clock, Manly Sea Eagles, North Queensland Cowboys, 138 the Sea Eagles, 305 North Queensland, 8.5 there, $2 uh, the minus there, $1.80 the plus and 50 uh, and even 50 there. Manly Sea Eagles. What, what happens here, Top Rope? Can, uh, can players back up? They can back up, and that's where this round becomes very, very tricky to forecast too early on. So um, this line is a little strange, right? If, if Tommy Trebojevic plays, it probably starts 12.5. If he doesn't play, probably starts 4.5. They're having a bet each way here. Uh, I, would be, I would be stunned if he played. Two-day backup, injury-prone. They desperately need him. They're in the eight right now. I, I, I don't know if he plays or not. So the bet of this one is if he plays back manly, if he doesn't, back the cows. But there is a really good bet in this game. Over the over forty nine and a half points is an absolutely outstanding bet. This is as confident as I've been on a total in a nighttime game for a long time. This is this is an unbelievable, unbelievable total spot here for for uh, the over manly sixteen and four over. In games of Brookie, when they're off a loss, they covered the over his 22 or 31 at Brookie. They're a big over team when they're heavily favoured. The Cowboys are a big over team off a bad defensive performance. Just give me the over in this one. I'll be backing this. Bit of the Ric Flair at 61 plus, 71 plus. <laughs> There's going to be a ton of points. Outstanding. Massive, massive push there. To, uh, the top, top rope and totals have been an absolute <laughs> fill up. He's torched the bookies. Wish I could put it in the lock. Mm. He's uh, he's on fire. So a lot of confidence there. Fifty. It's already gone to a flat fifty there at Top Sport over in the Manly North Queensland game. Let's have a look at Friday night football at uh, Nostrada Jubilee Stadium. Penrith away favourites here. One forty one two ninety. The Sharks seven and a half the line and forty eight and a half the total here. Penrith uh, upset against the West Tigers. I sort of love the way they. Uh, they said, oh, you can have your little day in the sun. I love the, the banter from the Penrith Panthers, but surely they won't get beaten two in a row here and as many players as humanly possible will back up for this one, won't they? I uh, don't know what's going to happen with Penrith. There's, there's seven players in origin duty. Aki Corris, the eight men, will definitely play. The other six haven't been named in the side. They've all been named in the reserves, so all available to play, but are unclear whether they will. I, they're a young side. They put a lot of... They put a lot of uh, 
wait on the regular season. So I'm happy to suggest that most of them will back up. Uh, and if that's the case, then the, the minus seven and a half is a bet. It did get into six and a half yesterday. So I think there is a little bit of a whisper around that, that most of them will back up. So uh, I am not expecting, uh, uh, with with two weeks off, they've got another origin and then there's a, uh, they've got their buy coming in a few weeks' time. I, I don't think they'll be, be resting players. So I, I think the parent are probably a bet in this one. Nice. It wouldn't be an episode a little birdie if we didn't talk about uh, the Melbourne Storm Sunday, 2 o'clock, Central Coast Stadium, the home away from home for uh, New Zealand Warriors. Storm are away favourites here, $1.17, no surprise there, $5.10. Tell you what, the extra couple of days here suits them on the backup. Scary for the Warriors, 14.5 the line there. There's been a nibble for the minus. I'm tipping it's top ropes money, and then the total there is 50.5. How are we playing here? Surprise, surprise. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, the Warriors, they, uh, they have a very good record at Boston. They're very good off a loss. Uh, but we're back in the storm minus what and after the surprise of absolutely <laughs> nobody. Uh, didn't get the job done last week with a pretty depleted side. They've got five players having to back up this week. No Pat still, so MG is still in a, a state of mourning at the moment. But he, he'll be, <laughs> as you said, on the, on the message yesterday. I'm not sure what the messenger was. Was it the messenger or a non? I'm not sure uh, what you were using this <laughs> video. Uh, I think... Uh, I think the word was uh, he, he will be very, very fresh when he returns. Uh, but still at Nico Hines, Munster probably backs up if he sobers up in time. Uh, and they've still got a pretty good side this week. They did all right at the judiciary. Ramus Smith got that off. So uh, I, they've, they've, won eight of the, they've won 10 straight against the, score, against the Warriors, covered eight of their last 10. They've got too much attacking power. And the key for the Warriors, Reese Walsh, their new young star, he's been suspended for the game. So I'll be pretty happy to take the minus this one. Mm. And I tell you what, the uh, the dollar seventeen looks very very juicy for uh, for lock of the week later on in the show. I tell you what, I'll be absolutely all over that because <laughs> I can uh, Penrith Panthers and the rejuvenated West Tigers. Let's say uh, Sunday at four o'clock, Bankwest Stadium, a dollar twenty eight. The Eels West Tigers three seventy eleven and a half is the line there, and forty nine and a half the total. Parramatta. Yep, put in take out the eels in this one. This is uh, a very, very good bet, the minus in this one. I am surprised the line is as small as it is. I know Paramount will be missing Reed Marnie. Definitely going to have an impact there. Paramount have absolutely dominated the Tigers, and the Tigers, the Tigers beat uh, the Penrith Reserve grade side slash Canterbury's 2022 first grade side uh, on Friday night. It was, uh, they're going to do a number on the Tigers. They always do a number on the Tigers. Parramatta play their best footy in the daytime. Tigers struggling daytime footy. I, I think this could be anywhere up around a 30-point mark by the time this one's done and dusted. So uh, very keen on the minus this one. Nice. Jeez. Convinced? I am. Well, he's tipping by 30. <laughs> giving up 11 and a half. Yeah, so it's a wager. All right, let's uh, let's talk about lock of the week. It's been a turbulent uh, season for lock of the week. We're trying to get this elusive 5K mark to donate money for charity. We are swinging and missing. It's been very, very disappointing, but uh, we're going to batter up again with a $200 uh, bonus bet from Top Sport, who have been very generous all year, and we're going to try and get to that trial line. I'm going to lead the charge. I've, uh, I've had enough. 
I'm upset, I'm emotional, but I think I've got the right combinations of favourites this week to try and get myself to that $1,000 bank and then I can really uh, launch from there. But I'm going to take uh, the Richmond Tigers to beat the Eagles. I mentioned earlier on the show that I think the Tigers are immoral. Uh, Melbourne Demons are a great price. City Swans will beat my Hawks at the $1.15 as well. I'm going to put in Rafa. Oh, can I stop the great man at Roland Garros? Mark is sick that I've put him in there. He knows that all of a sudden the extra lead's got into the saddlebag. It's fine. I've kept off him the last two <laughs> weeks and now you put him in the lock. Yeah, no, oh, I now because no. I'll be able to collect for next week's show. That's, oh, okay. that's, the, that's what we're trying to do with this right. segment. Okay. Uh, Melbourne Storm, I'm going to throw in. And uh, just to get myself over that $5 mark, I'm going to put in Para as well. So Storm and Para matter eels. So that uh, that's a six-leg multi as lock of the week, $5.33. Cross-code, I'm playing to my I advantage. Know. You're yeah. shaking your head. Ah, oh, of, what are you going to do? It's a lot of cheering. 200 at 5.33, bang, I'll be at $1,000. I just, I just hope uh, Rafa doesn't, uh, is not He's the league that let you down. He's fine. Uh, I'm going to go a three-leg treble. Uh, <laughs> just all head-to-head, make it quite simple. Uh, Port, 177 against Ooh. Richmond. Uh, against uh, sorry, the Cats. Against the Cats. Wow. Sorry. Um, G- <laughs> GWS at 128 and uh, your demons now, apparently your demons at 116. So 262 from a 200. Yeah, I was going to put in port, but I decided to put in Storm and Eels instead. So Yeah, that's all right. I'm well, sort of now cheering Geelong. I can only stay in the AFL lane, so you can go wherever you want. I'm surprised you didn't put Mayweather in yesterday. So. Would have been void. I, actually, I did put him in a couple of other Molsies, yeah. so all other legs remain live. Top rope, talk to us. Rick Flair this week. Cameron <laughs> Munster, man of the match, eight dollars. <laughs> State of origin. Uh, $208. Yeah, a bit unlucky. Or well, you've been unlucky uh, chasing the storm big scores. So I think uh Munster might be a uh, little little value bet there at the eight dollars, and I'm gonna follow you in there. I think yeah, you landed the, him the last only year as well. Hall of Famer. The only two time Hall of Famer in the little mm. birdie hall of fame, Cameron Munster. If he gets up this week, he could be in for a third time. <laughs> Might be immortal. Could be. He will be. <laughs> By the time he hangs up his boots, no doubt. All right, uh, we're uh, we're going to talk basketball. Next, going to talk NBL and NBA. But a big thanks to Top Rope, mate. Rug up up there. Uh, you're not in lockdown, so enjoy yourself with Origin. No doubt you'll have a bit of the dirty bird. You'll be uh, head first into the KFC tonight, won't you? No, I head into the pub and I'm going to be head first into about 25 schooners. So. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Outstanding stuff. All right. Good luck this weekend, Top Rope. See you, team. If you want more of uh, Nick Tedeschi's stuff, you can get his State of Origin pack. There's all three games in the series for $33. Or you can get his uh, GGOA for all matches of the NRL season. So head to littlebirdiepod.com and head to the shop. Up next, we're going to talk NBA and NBL with Corey Homicide Williams. Welcome back to Little Birdie Podcast. I'm your host, Scoot. I've got MG here, and we've got a special guest. We've got Homicide Williams joining us to talk NBA and NBL action. How are you, Homicide? Very well. What's up, gentlemen? <laughs> Mate, we're, uh, we've got a big week of betting. There's horse racing, there's AFL, there's NRL, there's French Open, but all the talk around town at the moment is NBL and NBA playoffs. And I guess Jokic uh, has just been announced MVP overnight. Is that a surprise? It isn't. A surprise. Um, shout out to him. He's done a f- sensational job. Um, he isn't the prototypical uh, NBA MVP, traditional, as far as physically looking, right? Most of the guys are extremely athletic, super quick, 
um, signature moves that they can get off on anybody. And he just, he doesn't even look like he lifts weights. He doesn't look like an NBA player with his physical stature. And he's elite. He's a triple-double threat every night. He's killing his opponents. He's the best center in the NBA. Mm. And uh, with that said, congratulations to him. And uh, what about Durant? He, he's not a. Oh my goodness! He was on fire yesterday. He was absolutely on fire. And I, his physique, to me, he, he's not a typical basketballer's physique. He's like Spider Man. He's lanky. He's tall for a guard. Yeah, yeah he's uh he's close to seven foot. He's about six ten, six eleven. He handles it like a point guard. So he's pretty much like a six eleven Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving is about six foot. So the things that traditionally a typical point guard as far as handling the basketball and moving around on the court, he can do those moves at 6'10", 6'11", which makes him impossible to guard. He's one of the game's most prolific scorers. Mm. He will go down in history as one of the greatest players to ever play the game. He has two championships under his belt, two finals MVPs under his belt with Golden State. But more important, I think him leaving Golden State after this Achilles injury, horrific Achilles injury, it would have been three straight, but... Um, coming off of that injury, he signed with the Brooklyn Nets, mm. and that's where he's right now. And the goal is for him to see if he can lead a team to a championship post Golden State Warriors. And right now, they're two and zero against Milwaukee Bucks, and just look unstoppable. Their list is stacked. Harden has got what the hamstring ripped off the bone. Oh, he's, is he done for the yeah, season? Yeah, he, he'll he'll be done. There's no way he can come back after that. If it's ripped off the bone, game over. You need too much time to heal, and with the offseason being shorter because the NBA would start right back in October, um, you would want him to rest up and come back fully strengthened um, next season. So it's up to KD, um, Kyrie Irving, and the rest of the clan Blake. of the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah. Blake is, has wound the clock back, and he's looking the good. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, the futures market, they've got an absolute stranglehold. Mark, uh, you, well, you took 275 Brooklyn last week. I think they're into about 220. You got the Jazz $4, the Clippers 550. We watched Phoenix yesterday in the office. Uh, that were impressive. They were really impressive. Shout out to Chris Paul, another yeah. um, elite NBA player. He's had an incredible career, but he hasn't won a championship. So the only thing he has not done is win a championship. So that's the quest that he's on. He's an incredible leader. Um, he's taking this young team um, with the superstars Aiton and Devin Booker to the number one or two seed in the West and leading them deep into the playoffs. They knocked off LeBron James, AD, and the Lakers, and that was just incredible in itself. They did that in six games. So that was impressive in itself. Mm -hmm. But just shout out to him. He led down the stretch. We watched the game, and when it was time to take over, the crafty veteran put the team on his back and got them over the line, and the lead opened up to 20 points. So shout out to him. Mm, there's uh, some really interesting away games coming up in the next couple of days, and let's get some odds on the screen courtesy of Top. So we've got Suns, $1.41 against Denver, two ninety six. The line there is a flat six. The total's two twenty two. Can Phoenix beat Denver away? Yes, they can. They can. Um, they just they're stacked. I think this is a team where um, we're going to see in this series Denver Nuggets missing Jamal Murray, who's their superstar, and this young man is definitely that. But it's unfortunate he's out towards ACL, and I think this is a series that they're going to struggle um, continuing um, playing the pace and putting a lot of the points up on the board. 
compared to Phoenix. Yeah. Mm. I tell you what, thank God the uh, the playoffs are on because lockdown has been oh my really goodness. tricky in yeah. Melbourne. How are you coping with it? Um, <laughs> I'm very, very grateful that, one, you guys live across the street from me. <laughs> and two, um, the games are on, the playoff games are on. Between NBA and NBL, I'm, I, I got shit going on every day. Yeah. <laughs> on, uh, on Friday, there's an absolute cracker. The Bucks host the Nets, $1.62, $2.33. The Lions, three and a half, which, wow, that looks really skinny off what we saw the Nets uh, do yesterday. The total's 235, so plenty of points oh. expected there. No doubt we'll see you uh, in the office on Friday morning watching this one. Uh, can Brooklyn at 233 and three and a half? Gee, they look a good bet against the Bucs. That's a good bet. That's a bet that I would take. And I ain't even a betting man, but I would take that <laughs> bet because I just saw offensively they're too deep. Defensively, they smothered um, Milwaukee. I just don't think regardless of Milwaukee going home that they will have. I haven't seen enough in two games of Milwaukee in Brooklyn to tell me that they're going to be able to get that win in Milwaukee game three. I think the Nets take that win. Milwaukee get game four, and then the Nets close it out um, game five. Mm, so a nice uh, couple of value plays in the next couple of days. Now let's talk about the domestic league, NBL. You commentate the matches, uh, very entertaining stuff there. And Melbourne United are favourites, $1.50, your old team, or you're the Tigers, and now they're Melbourne United. So there could be a little a little bit of allegiance there. But I do see you walking around with this Jack Jumpers uh, jumper on <laughs> a little bit too often for probably Mark's liking. Yeah. United $1.50 to win the uh, the title here. Perth are 360 South East Melbourne Phoenix $8.50. The Hawks are $18.00. Who, who wins it from here? Can they win without Bryce Cotton, Perth Wildcats, or a, a Melbourne nah. United a good thing? Uh, Melbourne, Mel, look, Melbourne United is a lock. <laughs> they're a lock. They're too deep, um, too experienced, and right now their hunger and desire has gone to a whole nother level due to the fact that Bryce Cotton is out for the Perth Wildcats. The Perth Wildcats, at their best, couldn't beat Melbourne United because they lack a player that can create off the dribble for themselves as well as everybody else. So Bryce Cotton is a guy you cannot replace with your, with your current situation up there in Perth. So there's no way, no way in hell they're going to win. No way. Right? Southeast Melbourne Phoenix, Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hot. You don't know who's showing up. I was with you in here yesterday and I said, <laughs> Southeast Melbourne Phoenix, they'll win. <laughs> They will lock in third place, beating Brisbane yesterday, and they will play and beat Perth and meet Melbourne United in the grand finals. What happened? Mm. The wrong Southeast Melbourne Phoenix team showed up. They lose, and now they have to play against Crosstown Rivals, yeah. Melbourne United. They got to do it the hard way if they're going to tr- do it. They got to play against the Crosstown Rivals to get to the grand finals. So that's going to be a great matchup because they've beaten Melbourne United twice this year. Melbourne United, I think, beat them three times. So wow. it's going to be a great matchup. Mm. It's uh, it's come a long way, hasn't it? The NBL since you played. I think what you're you were up at Townsville, two thousand seven, two thousand ten, and you had another scene. I think it was about two thousand and twelve with uh, the Tigers or the Melbourne United. Now, the game is evolved big time in Australia. Lamelo, we saw him go to Charlotte, and now this other guy, Tyler Harvey, he's a twenty seven year old. He's a lefty. Which, being an AFL man, I know how good left footers can, uh, I guess, wrong foot their opposition. He's hard. He's a hard matchup, Tyler Harvey. But 
can he get a second chance? Can he get a lifeline? Is this NBL product good enough for these players, more and more players, just to step back into the NBA? I think Tyler Harvey will get a look in the NBA next really? year. He's that good. Wow. He's electrifying. Um, He's no different to me than a Bryce Cotton. His usage rate is high as Bryce Cotton. I think he's third in the league in scoring. His team is in the top four. When I look at it, it's for me, he's the most valuable player. And here, here's why. You take Bryce Cotton off of his team, that team would still make top four, mm. my opinion. You take Tyler Harvey off of this Hawks team, Illawarra Hawks team, they wouldn't even be top six yeah, right. in a nine-team league. They're seven, eight, or nine. Dang Adele Laysan, who was a marquee player, didn't pan out. They released him. Cam Bairstow was the second marquee player, was injured, didn't even play half the year. Sam Froling, he has basically, Brian Gorgian basically has a bunch of young, inexperienced talent. You have Justinian Jessup, who was drafted in the second round by Golden State. He's a rookie fresh out of school. He has no pro experience. They have an import by the name of Justin Simon, who offensively doesn't give you anything, to be honest with you, unless it's transition. They have one player. They have one player <laughs> who is complete, and they rely on him night in and night out, and he's delivered night in and night out. And because of that, they are in the top four, mm. not to mention the greatest coach of all time that have turned that has turned an offensive-minded unit into a de- one of the best defensive teams in the league. Not only is Brian Gorgian coach of the year, that's the MVP of the league, mm. and that's how I look at it. Bryce Cotton, for me— is the best import to ever play in this country. Yeah, right. My opinion. Mm. I'll explain why in a minute. Um, but he's great. So he gets the LeBron treatment. Mm. How much greater can great be? Yeah, yeah. Right? He's great. It's normal. It's nothing new to me. Right? Mm-hmm. Okay. What I'm seeing Tyler, Har- Tyler Harvey do, no way in my mind I'll go past him for MVP of the league. Le- he gets the LeBron treatment, Bryce. He's just mm-hmm. great. That's just what it is. Victim of his greatness. So what it, What makes Melbourne United such a good bet now? Oh, man. One, there's no Bryce Cotton. One. <laughs> two, that's the only man that could beat Melbourne United, yeah. Bryce Cotton, right? He's that great. Two, they are loaded and stacked at every position. They play well together, and they have players at each position that can create for themselves as well as others. So guess what? If the offense ain't working, give me the ball. Watch me create some shit off the dribble for myself and others. The ability at multiple positions to break the defense down without offense. That's what makes a team that much more dangerous Mm. for me. So what about, uh, I've heard some other banter about uh, you and uh, Scotty Pendlebury. Is there any chance that uh, Pendlebury or Pendlebury, uh, <laughs> you and him can go down to Hoop City and have this uh, little little of a shooting contest? Are you any closer to get the big the big clash well, off the ground? Because uh, you, you reckon there's a lot of AFL players or there'd be some AFL players, given how far NBL in Australia has progressed, there'd be a lot of kids sort of, weighing up their futures now, wouldn't it? Whether they go down the NBL path, because it's all of a sudden it's a lot more appealing for, for scouts to find these NBL players. It's a different game now. Definitely a different game. Shout out to Scott Pendlebury. He was a gun 
okay? He was one of the most talented young men in the country. He had a scholarship at AIS, the Australian Institute mm. of Sport for Basketball. You can't get a scholarship there for any sport if you're not a gun, let alone basketball. And I had a conversation with him. I had um, an opportunity a couple of years ago to meet him, Nathan Buckley, and two two associates I was with. We had lunch at Collinwood Practice Facility. And, you know, we, we talked about him, uh, his history with basketball mm. and what made him make the decision to go to AFL, right? So if a gun that's a hooper doesn't see a future mm. in the game of basketball and you have an opportunity to make six figures and play footy, yeah. what are you going to do? Yeah, you're gonna, it's an easy pick. Okay, so what if today Scott Pendlebury was that 17, 18-year-old kid? I guarantee you this it would be a different conversation. Because mm. if there was an outlet, he would have went to hoop. There's outlets now for that age. Enter Josh Giddy, who would be a top 10 pick in the NBA, mm. right? Now, Ozzy's after Josh Giddy, knowing that he went this path and it worked out for him, yeah. these young kids after him are going to look at the sport different. Back in the day, and I even think now, there's AFL coaches and scouts at basketball, under 16, under mm. 18 basketball tournaments, recruiting basketball players to play AFL. Yeah, yeah. That's crazy to yeah. me because these kids, they know these kids don't have another outlet. We can take, we can basically steal the basketball talent and bring them to us. So what happens when, you know, a potential big network deal comes, signs, um, the NBL and get the yeah. rights, the viewing rights, and say, hey, Larry Kesselman, hey, NBL, here's $50 million. Mm. Now there's more money to play with. Yeah, that's what you need. Now guess what? There'll be more opportunity. Salaries go up. Kids can now see, well, man, guess what? Okay, I can get paid a good salary mm. as a rookie. And the salary um, in basketball versus the salary in footy wouldn't be that much different. No. I'm sticking with hoops. Yeah. And there you go. Then it starts to be a shift. So I'm not talking about a shift today, 10 years from now. Mm -hmm. That's how I'm looking at the situation. So if we put a poll out and ask AFL a secret poll where AFL players aren't naming their, their names and they press this, if they had an opportunity today with NBL how it is today versus AFL, what would they yeah, pick? Different choice. Half those guys are hoopers anyway. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, there's plenty. Plenty yeah. of hoopers for sure. Yeah. But um, I think a shootout would happen more than anything with uh, Pendlebury and I. <laughs> but the one-on-one -on -one would be against Nick Kyrgios of Pendlebury. <laughs> oh we'll have to get that up. We'll be um, there down there for the footage, yeah. Hoop City. Yeah. Um, Shout out to Hoop City. That facility is incredible. Yeah, that we'll, facility is incredible. Yeah, we'll be down there later on when, uh, well, probably we'll your season next up. year when it gets going. Yeah, uh, that's what's up. We've got to go rest the, the great man for two months. <laughs> he says he's tired after the finals, so he's got to go and travel for a couple of months. But we're looking forward to, to having him back uh, in our facility from October onwards. Uh, we'll have details later down the track. But, yeah, man, uh, let's, we gonna, let's do it big. That's the only way to do it. Yeah, um, but he, he's keen. He's keen to make Hoop City part of his home, and uh, lucky we've got a, a bit of a connection down at Hoop City. So, yo, that facility is official. I went down there and saw it myself. I didn't feel like I was in Australia. I felt like that was a legitimate like NBA practice facility. You yeah. got the weight room upstairs that's state of the art. Downstairs, you got the full court. You got the shooting guns. Yeah. Um. There's an app that you um that records you and oh, it wow. shows your trajectory and yeah. 
yo, the shit was official. And there's a, you know, obviously, 3x3 is an Olympic sport, and that's why I'm going to the Olympics to uh, commentate 3x3. And um, shout out FIBA 3x3. The court is FIBA sanctioned, and they have a um, the national team women's 3x3 Aussie national yeah. team. They that's their official training facility. So yeah. shout out to Hoop City. That's I mean that that's sick. That yeah. that facility is sick. We're gonna get uh, we'll, we'll take a trip down there and we'll put it on our uh, our new yeah, website. So, uh, so we'll get uh, test how good uh, homicide is down there. We might get a few of his mates, including uh, Pendle Berry, as he's known now <laughs> in the uh, basketball world. Uh, check out Hoop City if you're a baller uh, for sure. You know it's uh, it is a great facility, as homicide said, and uh, I think there's more coming in uh, in uh, Australia to be built in the future. So uh, that'll be good. So we'll get some footage on our website of it, and uh, that's going to be the home of uh, any future competitions that uh, Little Birdie has down there. That's what's yeah. up. I've, uh, I've been uh, fortunate enough to watch a couple of games with Corey, and uh, he's he's around the money. He's not a punter, but he's uh, steered us into a couple of winners. So Melbourne United, they look like uh, they got the, uh, the the rub of the green with injury to Cotton and the Brooklyn Nets. They're absolutely stacked. You saw it uh, yesterday. Uh, Durant is just absolutely airborne. Don't worry about Harden injured, and uh, make sure you have a little bit of a speculator on the Suns away, and or oh, sorry, yeah, the Suns are at home, sorry, and uh, the Brooklyn Nets in the next couple of days. Uh, so we'll uh, get more NBA and NBL updates with uh, Homicide in the next couple of weeks. It's uh, it's getting us through lockdown. It's uh, it's been a tough couple of weeks in Melbourne, but uh, luckily we've got the basketball and uh, some great betting this weekend. I think uh, that's a big show from us. It's a wrap. Uh, one more from Marcos. Yeah, we just got some uh, actual breaking news. I feel like a bit of uh, one oh, of yeah. your mates are reporters here, you know, uh, uh, getting down the AFL. We're just getting word through that Nathan Buckley has uh, stepped down for the coach of Collingwood. Wow. wow. Uh, off, a, off a win. Effectively, uh, he will uh, step down on Monday, I'm told. Robert Harvey's oh, going God. to coach the rest of the season. Uh, we're recording this show now uh, in the early morning of Wednesday. Wednesday, they, 10 o'clock. Bucks is gone. Collingwood will be holding a press conference in the next 15 minutes to half an hour. By the time you see the show, uh, it'll already be out there. But, yeah. Big news. So the poll we, we spoke about earlier for the AFL of uh, which Team. coach will fall. Uh, Colling- Collingwood has uh, thrown the first stone, I guess, Buckley to step down for Collingwood. And, uh, huge. Yeah, more to come. Fantastic stuff. All right, hopefully there's uh, a couple of winners in the show for you. Enjoy Origin tonight. Make sure you check us out on Apple, Spotify, uh, SoundCloud, and our YouTube channel, Little Birdie TV. Big thanks to Homicide for stepping in. He just got out of bed, rolled out of bed, come across the street, and uh, no doubt we'll be watching plenty of hoops with you in the next couple of days. But uh, good luck on the punt, and a big thanks to our presenting sponsors, puntingform.com.au and Top Sport and Gamble Responsibly. Thanks, guys.